What's up, fellas? Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast, where we love and lead ourselves, our families, and our communities from the front. Here on the show, we talk about marriage and fatherhood and personal development and physical health and mental health and all these different things, all these different skills that we need to do what it is that means the most to us, which is to be great men, husbands, and fathers. My name is Brendan Wall, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in here today. I know that you could spend your time doing literally anything else, but you've chosen to lend your ears, lend your time, lend your attention to this show, and that's something that I take very seriously. My goal is to give you the best return on your time and attention as possible. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope to make it worth your time. So today's guest is none other than the Jordan Spieth. Now, unless you live under a rock and you have for the past decade or so, then you know that Jordan Spieth is a professional golfer on the PGA Tour And at just 29 years old, he is a perennial contender for best in the world. So far, he's amassed 13 PGA Tour victories with three major wins, including the U.S. Open and the Masters in 2015 and the British Open in 2017. In watching Jordan throughout his career, I've always been so impressed with his poise, especially for a dude so young and a guy who had so much success so early on in his career. He seems to have struck a brilliant balance between this I'm going to kick your ass out here level of confidence with a gracious humility that allows him to be radically objective in evaluating his own game and bouncing back from setbacks. He is wise beyond his years for sure. He's such a good dude. He's down to earth. He's fun to hang with. And I'm extremely thankful to him for making the time to come on the show to chat with us. Now, I'll tell you up front, we had a really great discussion today. This honestly is one of, if not my single number one favorite conversation on the show so far. We covered a lot of ground today from his own childhood and how he was raised, which he largely attributes to his success on the course, to gearing up for the 2023 golf season in an RV with his wife and son, Sammy, to fighting with his ego and separating his own self-worth from his performance on the course. We talked about what it is that drives him to be the best golfer that he can be and what he wants his legacy to be with his kids and so much more. Like I said, this was a fun one. We covered a ton of ground. We went deep, we laughed, and I walked away with a few nuggets to carry with me that will make me a better husband and father. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. But without any further ado, here is my conversation with the Jordan Spieth. All right, fellas, as you know, the guys that we typically get here on the show as guests, they are world-class at their craft, literally the best in the world at what they do professionally. We know them for it. We love them for it. Today's guest, uh, no exception to that rule. Now, a lot of these guys that we get on, they have years, even decades of experience under their belt raising kids. A lot of them, they're, they're veterans of the dad game, so to speak. Today, I wanted to mix it up a little bit and bring in someone who's a bit more of a rookie in the dad game and get his perspective live from the trenches um, at home, on the road with the PGA Tour as a husband, as a father to a one-year-old. With us today, the one and only Jordan Spieth. Welcome to the Dad the Man podcast. Thanks, B-Wall. Glad to be here. <laughs> Glad to have you, man. I was just saying before, Jordan, Jordan, guys, he's sitting here in Hawaii, sitting inside, and I feel like the biggest dick in the world for dragging him in here. Uh, but just so thankful to have you here on the show for you making some time for us, man. So do us a favor, catch us up to speed. Like, tell us a little bit about, let's just cannonball it. What's life like at home? I know you got a one-year-old, like lay the land for us. Yeah, it's, I mean, as 
dads out there know, you know, those first few months are like, you know, what is going on? You could be anybody, you could be um, hired help as the dad, you know, they just need their mom. So, um, and then once they kind of hit whatever that is, that, that they smile for the first time and they're awake more that four to six month, really six month period, it just starts to get so awesome. I mean, obviously you, from the day that my son was born, I'd jump in front of a, a car for him. But yeah. that kind of connection that you get as a dad, I started to feel at that six month phase on. And then every month it's just more and more happening. And then, you know, once they get around that, I would say once he got to like that 10 month to a year phase, you know, you get a pretty big, big change when they're mobile and laughing and getting some personality. And then I hear the next one's kind of in that 15 to 18 month range where, mm. you know, it, it, it they kind of make another leap, but he's, 13 months now and I'm having a blast. I feel like he's like my little best buddy. Um, <laughs> we kind of just terrorize mom together and she loves it and things are great, man. I, we're, um, you know, we're just about to start a new season. He traveled most of last year with us. This year is going to be a little adjustment. We bought an RV, so we're going to live the RV life on tour. Um, nice. All this, all this next year. So we got a, yeah. a pretty sick little setup for Sammy and, um, allow us to not have to travel with all our stuff all the time and kind of sleep in our own bed and feel like, you know, it's feel like it's, we're at home, even when we're on the road, we'll kind of create a little home. So, um, it'll be a really exciting year as he starts to kind of hit that next leap and run around. And, um, you know, we start to do more and more together. Yeah. You got a lot to look forward to you. Like you said, you're, you're at that point where he's probably pretty close to turning that corner and like really coming alive. I, I getting up towards two is when I, I, you talked about that bond kind of growing over time and um, it's tough. Like, I'm glad you alluded to that or mentioned that. Cause I think it's tough for dads right out of the gate to your point. It's like, the hell am I here for? Like, what am I going to do really like yeah. to bond with the child? And it's hard. It, it, it makes it hard to bond. Um, I remember feeling super like guilty with our first to your point. I was like, I'd jump in front of a bus for you, but all I really get from you is yeah. like, you, you shit on me and like throw yeah. up on me. And, like, <laughs> yeah. That's really that's really all you get back for it. But once they start, you know, like you said, smiling at you, laughing at you, like recognizing that you're in the room, like it's okay. Game on. I can do this. It makes the sleep deprivation a little bit more uh, rewarding in a sense. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I mean, I, the, the, it, I remember telling Annie, like I had to muster up the courage to tell her because, you know, her, her bond is from, you know, when she first feels a kick in her belly. Right. So yep. um, it's as strong as anything, but I was, I, I, I must've been somewhere in like the six week mark, um, maybe even a little after that, where I was like, I just want to be honest with you as I go through this whole process, I don't feel a connection to him yet. Like I love him to yeah. death, but like you said, what you're doing is you're essentially just changing diapers and when he cries, bringing them to mom to feed, yeah. you know? And so you don't really, you don't have anything in return. You don't expect anything in return, but it, you know, once you finally get that first thing, it's like, wow. This yeah. made those last few months totally worth it. And I'm so excited for the next phase. And everyone says it goes fast and they say every month's better and to, to not feel like you rush it. But I mean, I was looking so forward to kind of the year mark mm -hmm. from the time he was born. Yeah. And, um, and it's just, yeah. And I just remember telling her just being like, I don't know how you're going to react to this because yours, it's so different for you. But I just, yeah. I just want to be honest throughout this. Stuff. Like I just don't feel a bond yet. And then, you know, at the same time, once I did, I was like, wow, you know, that he feels like my little best buddy now, you know, 
when he, when I walk in a room and he looks up and he smiles at me, it's like, man, that is just the coolest thing in the world because <laughs> you know that it just came out of nowhere. Right. I mean, I don't yeah. remember when it happened. You're like, I could pinpoint the exact minute, you know, hour day that it happened. And then now I'm yeah. like, I don't even remember what month that was when it happened, you know? <laughs> so it's just, um, it's been such a, you know, it's been the coolest process, um, mm-hmm. kind of the coolest year just to have so much of that being off the golf course and then yeah. being able to kind of enjoy life on the road with him has been really, you know, it's a unique thing. You know, I didn't have it growing up and hardly, hardly anybody does. And, um, so I think it's really helped him adjust to being able to be adaptable at his young age. And then, you know, we'll have a few years until he's in school. So hopefully we can get a lot more experiences as we, you know, go on these next few years. Yeah. I mean, you've already been given the advice, but it does go fast. My oldest just went to kindergarten this year and dude, I, I was a wreck. I was a disaster. <laughs> yeah. when I was like, no, <laughs> we'll hold you back. And he's like already old for his age. I was like, let's hold him back one more year, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, he'll be, he'll a, he'll be a, you, t- you hold him back three years. He's going to be a unit in high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a problem. He's already like a pretty massive kid for his size. Uh, but yeah, I, I was tempted to hold him back again. I was like, Oh man, we were just talking. Leslie and I were talking last night. Like it hurt when he went, but like the next one we've always seen, you know, our four, he's four now. So he's got one more year and he'll go to kindergarten. We've always kind of seen him as like the baby. Now we've got two literal babies, but he's so he's been the baby for a while. We're saying when he goes to kindergarten, it's going to be like, oh, shit, like waterworks for real. Yeah. Uh, you know, and of course, it only gets better. It's just, you know, it's just different seasons and different stages. And that's probably been like as my kids have started to get a little bit older, that's been probably the hardest thing for me. I'd be interested to, to hear if, if you you kind of go through that same thing as as Sammy grows up. But it's like you get so attached to like the season that they're in. Like right now, my four year old, he's home and he's like a little human now he's got a little personality he can really talk and we can communicate and he's not just like a toddler anymore but i know that like kindergarten's right right down the road and i'm like just soaking it like hyper present in every moment but i also am like scared to hold that too tight to where i'm like not fully enjoying it you know what i mean sure sure yeah um, we've my got advice um, to you would just be to don't hold don't hold it too tightly hold it loosely yeah yeah i mean enjoy it for yourself while letting them kind of be learn their values from you as parents. Right. But then also be able to, to, to go into a different situation like school and be shaped by that and trust that. Right. Because that's how you become well-rounded. You don't want to be a, you know, just stay at home and, and have to be so attached. Right. You want to be able, you want, but it's gotta be tough. It's gotta be tough in that scenario. I, I mean, we, we talk about that. We're like, fortunately we know that we live around where we went to school and we know that our, our schooling growing up, shaped you know quality individuals like we have friends around us that are just great human beings and um that's huge and so we at least can trust that system if we want to have him go through a very similar kind of schooling system that we did Mm -hmm. um but at the same time it's got to be so challenging once you just you know let go because you just haven't done it before right so yeah um it's almost like easier said than done it's like oh yeah the end path looks great but you know, having to actually drop a kid off at kindergarten and being like, well, hopefully you make the right friends over the next 10 years and hopefully <laughs> you become a good kid. I mean, that's all we ever, that's all we really care about for him. We don't, yeah. I'm not going to push him to do anything sports. I'm not going to put, you know, like whatever he yeah. wants to do. Um, You know, I that's how I was raised, you know, just, you're not going to fall in love with it if you're forced to do it is kind of, I think the way that he'll be, cause it's the way I was. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but we just, we want him to be a good kid. We just want him to, yeah. you know, we want to be a quality individual, you know, care for others and um, just be a, just be a nice person. Like it's, it yeah. seems like that's so easy to say, but it's like, you just, you just hope that um, <laughs> that becomes the case. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you hit on something there that I, I wanted to ask you about. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to dig in. And that's like, I guess the way you were raised and like, how you were maybe pushed towards golf, supported in golf. Like I'm obsessed now with this idea of, like I was saying, my kids in kindergarten, a little below that. So like they're getting into youth sports and I'm trying to figure out how to push them and provide support for them to encourage them and give them the resources and, you know, the kick in the pants that they need to say, Hey, you can go be great at something. Here's how you do it. Here's how you show up every day, but then also be out of the way enough to, let them fail to let them choose the path or the sport or the activity they want to do to begin with and just give them that freedom to go do something on their own and go learn and it's i found it's really hard to do it and and it sounds like your parents did a great job with you I, i'd love to hear you just maybe reflect on your upbringing a little bit more in that regard and, and how you're thinking about handling that with sammy yeah, you know, it's it's hard because I don't remember the those first, you know, five to ten year old years, right? I think mm -hmm. the earliest memory I can really draw on from uh from like sports and goal setting and stuff like that is around when I was twelve and um which is still pretty young, but I didn't really start playing I played everything, right? Like I played yeah. all sports and I would advise that if to to all kids to to just for, I mean, golf's an individual sport. Like I think it's really healthy to be on a team mm -hmm. and learn how to be unselfish in situations and learn how to be a leader. And, you know, when it's an individual sport, you're just, you're leading yourself, which is certainly something that you've got to learn to do. But um, if you want to be really good at something, regardless of what, it, what it's in, but I would say when I was around 12, you know, I started to really 12 and a half, 13, I, I changed. Um, my dad asked me, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you want to, what do you think you want to do in sports? You know, you're playing golf all the time now and you're, you're getting better. You're shooting low scores. Do you love it? I'm like, yeah, I love it. I like working at it more than anything else. Um, by working at it, you know, it wasn't work back then. I just love going and spending eight hours at the course and playing with friends and, um, and I love practicing. I mean, I just love hitting golf balls. And so he said, all right, well, you know, I'll invest um, in, you know, if you want to go to, you know, a really solid coach um, you know, you're, I'll do that, but you've got to set goals with this. I want you to work hard at it. Cause this will be, you know, an expense. And, you know, I, I remember the thing was, is he, I was given every opportunity to succeed, but I was never pushed. So, you know, I had access to a golf course. Um, I was able to then build like-minded relationships with like-minded individual, like kids where I could be competitive in a really fun environment. Like we would go mm -hmm. out and play and this was just, and, and, and to your point of this hands off, like at that point, my parents were essentially like, we'll drop you off and we don't need to be there. And we'll trust that you're safe, having a good time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once it got to like 12, 13, 14 years old, that you're, you know, you're going to go and work on what we're paying for in these lessons and stuff. So, yeah. um, and you know, the, my dad would be out there here or there when he could, but he was working and I have a little brother. And then at that point I have a, I have a little sister seven years younger with special needs. So, you know, at some point, you know, he's, he's not able to be there all the time because you got to take care of my little brother. And obviously uh, my little sister is required a lot, a lot more than a normal kid. So, yeah. um, 
that's kind of a long way of putting, I think, um, he, my dad, you know, my mom was the one who would wake up and take me and pick me up and, um, and make sure that, you know, we were safe. And, and, all, and my dad was, was the one that here or there would do that little kick in the butt. That's like, Hey, you know, I want you to write down goals for the year, you know, and you're to a 13 year old. It's like, what, you know? And, <laughs> but, and, and I didn't want to, I'm like, no, I know them. they're in my head. I want to do this. He's like, you got to write them down. And so he would force me to write them down. Um, the only things he really forced me to do is write down goals. Um, and he would force me to write thank you notes, uh, places I stayed at tournaments or just really anything where someone really helped me. Um, and I thought that was a, a really good thing that I wish I still, still did more often. Um, yeah. and, and he would, he would force me to write thank you notes that I just hated to do because I'd rather just thank him. He's like, it's not the same. You, you need to write a note. Then they know that you sat there and you thought about him and, um, but as far as like the actual golf side, he was always there at my lessons and then I needed somebody else to tell me. Cause if he told me, I just, cause he didn't have a golfing background, I wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily like trust or believe him. Yeah. And so then we, I mean, there's, I remember times leaving lessons where he'd be talking to me about something he saw in there. I'm like, dad, we get in these big arguments and he was right. You know, it was he was, you know, looking back, he was for sure. Right. You know, I have, you know, my alignment was off, you know, I need to relax my right side or something or whatever. And at the time I'm like, no, 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 Cameron didn't say that, you know, it's just this and this and this. And we'd have these, these arguments that would um, be really, you know, we didn't argue very often, but I come from a competitive family. So it was bound to happen here and there. And um, uh, it was, it was cool. I had every opportunity, but I had, um, structure in the form of, I had to provide it for myself because of what, um, the investment that my parents were going to make in, in just providing every path that I could possibly have to reach any level that I wanted to reach. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. It it sounds like you had some, like you said, some real freedom to get out there and explore it. And you had to be the one to pick it up and go. Like you didn't, I think a lot of times kids, I've seen this already at six years old in youth baseball. It's like the kid does not want to be there. The dad wants the kid to be there. And it's very obvious which kids those are. And you just know by age seven or eight, like that kid is not going to be back out playing baseball. But it's like, I think about those kids and I'm like, man, if we just let these kids have fun, like find fun, find joy in the game that they're playing. Baseball might not be their sport. Golf might not be their sport, whatever it is. But they'll at least then know how to have fun so that when they have a good feeling with a sport that resonates with them, they'll, they'll have the urge to, I think, go pursue it and go after it. Um, that's something that's just, it's, it's top of mind for me right now. So, you know, any little advice like that I can get a, a little tidbit, like from your parents, I'm just like, you know, making notes over here. Cause I think it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, and I played everything. My dad played college baseball. So I think like, you know, he, he always said, he's like, I think the best job in the world is a starting pitcher in the majors. Cause you control the game and then you get to play golf on the other four days that you're off <laughs> and you come back in and you control the game. And I, I think he's right. If I could trade jobs with anybody in the world, I'd pick a starting pitcher, but I think, and I've played a lot of golf with or been around a lot of starting pitchers. And they say, if they could change to one job in the world, they would be a professional golfer. Cause then they don't even have to pitch. They just golf every day. But, um, so it's funny. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, in those early years, I played everything, but I also loved it. Like I loved going, it was when I started to want to be at the golf course instead of going to that, that baseball tournament. 
Mm-hmm. Or I, you know, it was a nice day in the winter time, and I was like, man, I really want to go golf today instead yeah. of going to my basketball practice. And luckily, like basketball would be like later in the day, but those baseball, you know, it it overtake a weekend, as you know, in those baseball tournaments. Oh yeah, or soccer tournament, whatever it was, and um, even basketball, yeah. And it was really those weekends when I started to just not want to do that as much as I want to do something else. That it, it was, I think, the toughest part for a kid is to be like. Hey dad, I don't really want to do this anymore because you know that, you know, they're, you, you're going to let down your teammates. You're going to maybe let down your parents because they, they, you know, committed you to this team and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I mustered up the strength probably when I was about 13 or 14 to tell my dad, that I didn't want to play baseball anymore. And that was like probably the hardest thing I've ever had to tell him. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, I thought, you know, it would be devastating to him. And of course it wasn't at all. Cause he was yeah. like, that's fine. I mean, yeah. if you love golf, it's going well, you don't have to play baseball. And then his last thing was, well, you know, he's, he's like, you know, how come I was like, well, you know, I don't want to screw up my golf swing and with hitting and I've gone from lead off in the lineup to ninth in the lineup, you know, cause I'm playing more golf and I'm yeah. not hitting it well. And he's like, okay, well, what about just pitching? You know, you can still go play golf and then just show up to pitch. You know, I'm like, dad, I don't, I don't, that I don't think my teammates would appreciate that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But that was like the hardest conversation. I remember exactly where I was in the car. I remember like crying after telling him. And um, uh, and of course, like the great dad that he is, he just was supportive and yeah. understanding and um, and handled it obviously really well. So um, I, I, it's just, just I, I just don't I wish I could remember more from like those really early days of playing all sports. But I just anything with a ball I loved, um, anything with a team I loved, which is why in golf, like now I have the mm-hmm. most fun in those team events, you know, Ryder cup and president's cup, because yeah, it's yeah. like that one opportunity a year to be like, man, I'm with these guys, you know, I, yeah. I put it on me, you know, I love it. Like yeah. bring it on. And, um, and just rooting, rooting with a guy that you're normally rooting against is, um, it's kind of a fun little change. Yeah, that's got to be cool to, I guess, bring that back that that team environment, and be able to compete in a different way, flex. A, I guess flex a different competitive muscle out on tour. Um, I I, I want to just pause real quick and give your dad a round of applause because I think what <laughs> you just said about the way he handled you coming to him and saying I don't want to play baseball anymore. To me, that is just massive for the long term trust and relationship between a father and son. I think. What we see a lot is we see lines get blurred between, you know, a, maybe the dad's hyper involved. They're they're riding their kid's tail, pushing them into something that they don't necessarily love. And then the kid feels obligated to do it. Like that line gets blurred between like, am I playing baseball because I like baseball or because I feel like I need this is the only way my dad's going to love me and I'm going to get the support from him if I play baseball and continue to play baseball. And then that inevitably drives a wedge between father and son and that I think I think we see it all the time. We see that not get repaired over time. You see fathers and sons have a lifelong relationship of of friction or distance. Um, man, I just want to give your dad a round of applause. I think that's I was, I was saying I'm, I'm always looking for like the one little takeaway. I think that's it. That's that's a huge one. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for reflecting on that and sharing. <laughs> yeah. Um, does Sammy have his own clubs yet? I know he's only one. He he carries around like a he has so the title this guy's my uh what guy that makes my wedges made him a little wedge 
<laughs> so it's a real golf club. It's just really yeah. short. And at home, yeah. he he can't put it down. And then we just we we had to bring his like little tykes putter and golf club. We had to pack it for this trip into yeah. Hawaii because he just looks for it like every day. He just carries it around, smacks yeah. a little ball around so not, or whatever. But not pushing him, but maybe just a subtle brainwash there. Uh, make sure it's in it's his just hands. like so he knows like you know whatever half a dozen words and ball is just, he's uh oh and ball are his two favorite words anytime he sees a ball especially a football he just stops what he's doing he goes ball you know and points right at it with his yeah. little fingers and he's i mean he's just obsessed with throwing things and yeah no he's again he may who knows what he'll want to do and it, it doesn't really matter to be honest um you know i think uh there's some I think growing up, like when I, or for him, I think, uh, when I think about kind of our situation, uh, I think it would be a really tough road for him to play golf, but he also has, he'd have a lot of advantages, but he'd also have other things to handle that say, I didn't have to handle. And, um, whether it's expectations or just, yeah, I guess you can call them expectations or, or, or whatnot, but, um, if his personality is so just, you know, easygoing and whatever, which is not necessarily me, but is more like his mom, then I don't think that would matter. Um, so if he wants to play golf, that would be fantastic. I'm not going to push him away from golf at all. Cause I think it's a, it's a great sport that is great for you, you know, for, for actually playing it, but also what it, kind of the lessons that you learn from the game of golf where you got to, you know, it's integrity. You got to call your own stuff. You're outside um, doing an activity all day. You know, I think that's healthy for kids. Um, I think there's a lot of great things about the sport. It's also not, you know, you're not worried about head trauma and, you know, whatever else, you know, that, that when a six-year-old's going head first into somebody, you know, you just, yeah, I, you know, I, we love football too. I'll probably play football, but um it, it's a great sport that I would for sure never um, push him away from, but I think it would have also some challenges as well. So he, at this point, he just, whatever it is that that's a ball, he's picking it up and throwing it and making noises and running right after it. So um, it's really fun to watch because I know that's how I was. And so it's kind of, yeah. you know, as a dad who loves sports, it's like, man, my kid just seems to, to already love it at one years old. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, how did that change things for you? Like he comes into the world, you're a professional athlete. I would imagine you're very regimented in your, in your preparation, your sleep, your nutrition, the the travel I know is obviously that's a, that's a huge chunk of your life. What's it been like adding, adding a child into the mix? Like, do you think that's made you a better golfer or a worse golfer? Like how's it impacted you? I don't think, I don't think either. I think, um, I think in general, it's just, like I've, I've, I kind of, you know, I've, I've gone through a couple different ups and downs in my career. And I think what that has allowed me to do is be able to do a better job of separating golf from life because it was almost like I, I was in a good way for a while. Um, I guess there's maybe isn't a good way, but it was all good stuff. Um, unable to, kind of find myself away from the game of golf. So when things were good, um, I was, I was the golfer everywhere I went that when things were good and praised mm-hmm. and whatever. And when things weren't good, I felt that, you know, 
I shouldn't be happy because I'm not playing good golf. Mm. And I just, I just had a really hard time separating that. Um, and I, I think, you know, after kind of going, kind of getting things back on track and feeling like I played, I think that, um, I've done a really good job the last few years, even when I wasn't playing well to when I'm playing better again, um, of learning. I, I did a lot of reading, um, try to kind of essentially throw my ego out of everything that I do, um, recognize that the good and the bad, um, neither one is healthy. So kind of eliminate myself a bit from social media. Um, because you know, when it was all good, you just kind of get really ego oriented in the way that you're thinking, like everyone's boosting you up. And so you think that you're all that, but really you're the same person. You just happen to people are, amazed because they can't get a golf ball in the hole as fast as you can. Like you're an entertainer that just happens, you know, I love to play golf and then yeah. other people can't do it as well. And that's what makes it, but like, that doesn't mean that you're a better person. You know what I mean? So yeah. in the same way on the other side, then, you know, you, you read negative stuff. And it's like, well, why do I give weight to either one of these? Because I should only give weight to my team and my family and my friends, you know, the people who are most important and closest to me that know exactly what I'm going through day in and day out, how hard I, you know, I work harder when thing, when I'm struggling versus when things are going well. And, you know, it just seems like the opposite. It's like, why wouldn't you get more out of it? Yeah. To answer all that being said, um, I think that it doesn't really have any effect on my golf. It just, it's, it's fulfilled my life in a, in a significant way. It's been um, such an amazing experience the most amazing experience probably in my life outside of golf. And, um, I, and that's so cool to feel that what I've really, you know, mainly gotten just out of the sport, mm-hmm. um, because I just had such a hard time separating the two. It was yeah. like the entirety of my being was how I was golfing. And, um, now to almost feel like I can shut it down And there are days where you can't, um, right. you have great days and you just feel like you're on top of the world. You come back and, um, something's wrong and you just feel, Oh no, nothing's going to ruin this day. Like if he's having a bad day, you know, I feel like I can just totally, and the other way around now, you know, you have a bad enough, bad enough day or a couple of weeks and you just feel, you know, you feel low. I mean, that's mm-hmm. human nature, but to be able to flip it or flip the switch quickly and, and be able to have an identity, um, off of the golf course as, a person, I think he's really brought that upon me. Um, and that like, that's priceless, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, it, you know, I, I just, I was professional from when I was 19 years old, you know, I didn't yeah. really get a chance to grow through my twenties like people do. And instead I was kind of, by the time I was 21, you know, I'd be, um, recognized everywhere and asked, you know, it's just a, you know, not, not like a musician or a, or whatever celebrity, but, you know, I'm typically in places where people golf. So, um, I guess a celebrity kind of lifestyle from in my twenties and I don't think that's healthy for anybody. So it's been really cool to be able to, you know, be appreciative for that and certainly, mm-hmm. um, use it as confidence, um, in a way, but be able to flip that switch off and, look at what's going to be kind of the most rewarding thing in life, which is just not going to be how I golf, but um, hopefully how I, how I parent, you know what I mean? I mean, it's just raising the next generation and having 
your kids be good people and do great things, I think will be way more rewarding than anything I could have possibly done on the course. So it's early, but, um, my, he's really changed my perspective, um, without having it have really any effect on my golf. Well, kudos to you, man. I, that there's a lot of wisdom in that in recognizing, I, I think the, the role that our ego can play, um, in how we, how we operate just as human beings on a day-to-day basis, you know, most of us aren't professional golfers, but I think a lot of us can also relate to that. Just like, depending on how things are going at work, no matter what we do for a living, like there's good days and bad days. And I think, especially as men, it's easy for us to get very, you know, we're, we're driven, right? Like we want to be the best at what we do. And it's very easy for that to get wrapped up in that whole identity thing, like you're talking about, and then just being so conditional upon how the day went. And then you come home, you know, if, if that's the way it goes, like if you have a bad day on the golf course and you come home and you know, you're a dick to Annie and you're a bad dad, that sucks. You know, yeah. like that's brutal. Um, so kudos to you for working through that being a young, it's also going to make it like wisdom. It, I mean, if you do that, it's going to make it harder for you to, I mean, I, I, I did that. Now I, I wouldn't say I was a dick to Annie, but I'm saying like, <laughs> I would come home and I would just be not as fun to be around. And I, I've, I've never been, you know, for really the first 23 years of my life, every year got better on the golf course. Like it was a yeah. very wild run. Yeah. Um, to a point where it almost couldn't, you know, you could sustain it, but only, you know, a couple people have ever done that. And I don't, I'm not jealous of their lives, to be honest. That doesn't mean that I didn't want to, you know, find mastery and continue to be the best at what I, cause that, I love that. But I think that I wasn't ready to do that for a long period. Wasn't mature enough. Wasn't able to find separation like you're talking about. Um, and I mean, you, you originally asked the question, like, what does that do to your time and sleep and all this? And it's like, man, my wife's a rock star. Um, she, when, when I need to do something and she knows that it needs to happen, I need to go to the gym at this time, even though he's up or, you know, I need a little extra time here or there. Um, or, you know, early, early in their, um, early days of traveling, it was like, you know, I'm going to, if we, if we have to sleep in separate rooms that we don't want to do it, but if he's not sleeping well, I'm going to sleep with him. And those kind of sacrifices for me to feel, um, she wants me to be as happy as I can be in both places. Um, mm-hmm. and if I don't have the energy on the course because of, uh, a lack of time or, um, you know, lack of sleep or whatever, and I'm not performing, um, even if I am able to separate it, I'm going to be still that tired after trying to grind that out on the course and I'm not going to have a lot to give at home. So, yeah, you know, that balance of, I think I've adjusted, um, how I've practiced quite a bit at home when I'm playing, mixing the two, uh, to feel like I can really give everything that I want to be able to give when I get home and still be able to, then when he goes down, give that to my wife, like be able to Mm -hmm. talk about the day, not just being like, okay, I need to sit on the couch and just watch a game now mindlessly. Like that's not necessarily fair to her either. So it's not just like the, it's not just the, the sport and the kid, right? Like it's, you gotta, you gotta stay in your healthy marriage and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, continue to go on date nights and make those that time too. So that, that's, that was the biggest challenge early. Yeah. And then as he's gotten older and been better on a routine, a better sleeper, we've really, you know, figured out a, a nice way to do it. And then I would ask you, you know, I'm sure you went through the same thing. And I'm sure number two threw a big wrinkle in it. And and then obviously three and four. So you may, that may have, um, I'm sure that 
it just starts to probably just adjust things a little bit here or there. But if you get a nice base on number one, I'm mm -hmm. sure that helps as you go forward. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's when things are good in your marriage, it's, it's you know, we've, we're at this point, we've piled four kids on and we're still rolling, you know, and you know, you're, we're, I remember being in the thick of it with our first when he was little and it's being like, holy shit, this is a lot. This is a big adjustment. This is a big challenge. And it's like, I don't think, I don't know if we can handle another one. And we handled another one, you know, it's uh there's an old quote from a pastor that I follow and he says, your, your tolerance for tension determines your capacity for growth. So it's like the more that you can incrementally take on, the more that you can grow. And it's, you know, it's, it comes with time and it doesn't mean it's easy, but it's, you know, good things don't come easy. It's, it's all good. It's all good. Um, but to your point, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head, like I said, keeping your marriage first um, is, is massive. And and you mentioned before the rise, I guess, not that you got cheated out of childhood, but that stage from like 19 to your early twenties. And I'm, I'm thinking about this through the lens of you and Annie. I know you got, you guys were high school sweethearts, right? So yeah. coming up together, how that had to have impacted your relationship. Like, I'd love to hear you reflect on, um, you know, you guys basically growing up together and then being like, holy shit, we're super famous. And like, <laughs> that's got to change things. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we didn't really date in high school. We went to, we went to senior prom and then we kind of dated the summer into college. And then we were a little off and on there, um, in college, but then we were dating while, before I left school. So yep. we were dating while I was, and I was only there a year and a half. So, yep. um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was certainly an adjustment. We, I think, you know, me taking that risk was big. Um, you know, she, she went to Texas tech and she still, uh, you know, got her degree. She graduated a semester early. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, it was weird because I would go from a tournament, you know, and then I'd fly that Sunday night or whatever, you know, back through Dallas and then over to Lubbock. And then I'd spend, you know, Monday, Tuesday, not really the weekends, but like Monday, Tuesday or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday there, and then go back home and get ready for in an, in an off week, I'd, you know, then go get ready. So it was certainly a very unique situation. Um, and then obviously as things, you know, got crazier, I, I, really after the masters in 2015, that was when you know, that it all, it all kind of exploded, but, um, nothing really, I mean, it was the same thing. Like I, um, she didn't change. I didn't feel like I changed who I was. And, um, and I think in that we grew stronger over the years and then yeah. ultimately got to a time to get married. And then a few years later, then now Sammy's here. So it was, um, when I'm home, you know, our closest friends are our friends from high school. Mm -hmm. Um, and, so we feel very grounded. We feel um, like we're sharing stories from, you know, we'll, before I was, you know, before the mass, before I was famous, I guess, or, or, yeah. um, and I, and I'll be put in my place by Annie or any of my friends and, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's great. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's really, it's a, it's a healthy place to be. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we have great friends who now are all starting families. And so we're all going through the same thing together. And that's a lot of fun. You know, we've got some who have three-year-olds and others who, you know, have newborns and, but everyone's kind of in that few year window of all of our friends that are now starting to, to have kids. So, 
Um, we've got people to lean on. We've got people that we can give a little advice to. It's kind of this new situation and every stage has just been fun, you know, from that college stage to, you know, when just out of college, when it's pretty fun when, when everyone gets back home after college, right. You know, they're in their first jobs, but it's almost like you're back at freshman year of college. You're like, (laughs) but now you're with your friends that you had before and your new friends from school. And so it was fun for me because I mean, I'd been out of school for a while and no one really lived in Dallas. No one went to school there. Yeah. And so finally everyone was back home. And that was, that was really fun that like 2015 to 17 range when people in their first, first jobs, but I'm like, Hey, welcome back. I've been here for four (laughs) years, you know, let me show you around. And, uh, um, and then now we're in this stage. And so every stage is kind of, has been such a blast. And, um, this one's going to get really fun just as we go on trips with kids, with our friends. And, um, you know, you certainly don't have the ability to just go do whatever you want anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but at the same time you get these other little ones that are kind of turning, going to turn into your best friends and you're just going to want to hang out with them anyways. Yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome, man. I think that says a lot about who you guys are, you know, just as people, um, being, being humble, being, being grounded. And, um, you know, there's, there's nothing like being humbled by your boys from home too. Uh, there's nothing quite like that. Uh, I want to hear more about where you guys are going with this RV thing. Is that common on tour? Like, do a lot of guys do this? I would say there was probably like six to eight guys for a lot of years. And then um, four of them went to live. So they didn't need RVs anymore. And uh, (laughs) cause their schedule doesn't really go on waves like ours does. Yeah. And um, so Annie was, um, she, she loved it. She had, we had talked to people about it um, years ago and, she loved the idea and I, I didn't love it. Um, pre COVID, you know, we were still young enough. We were just, it was nice on our own to travel and stay with friends. And then COVID hit and it was like, wow, this is a perfect time because we can rent houses with like my buddy, Justin and Ricky, and we can rent houses together, bring in like a chef and you don't have to worry about going out into crowds. Cause we had to test every week. So you just didn't yeah. want to be around people that you weren't used to being around. And so we'd have somebody go to the grocery store and, and you'd split it all up. And um, so it just didn't make sense then. And I just thought, you know, it'd be, I didn't love it with the idea that Sammy would like last year where he would be so young, we didn't know how he'd sleep and it, we'd just be in such a confined space that it would be yeah. like, man, if he's not a good sleeper, this is a disaster. And of course, I mean, he's, he's been a great sleeper. And so it's so scheduled now and he's, you know, he's been so adaptable. Um that I, I was like, Hey, if you want to look, you know, be on the lookout. Uh, and if we get a, you know, we get a great situation where we love the bus, um, you know, we, we have, we could get somebody that'll drive it. We find, you know, find out everything we do, all the crush, all the financials, crunch them all and figure out, you know, we're actually going to save money um, while we get to build a home on the road. For me, the, the biggest takeaway was we don't have to, travel with so much stuff unloading and loading all the time. Yeah. Cause as you know, traveling with kids is, um, Oh yeah. You know, one, one kid's like equal to both of you combined. And I carry, I carry yeah. a lot of stuff with my bag and whatnot. And then getting the same mattress we have at home and being like, you know, sleep is just so, I mean, I've just been doing so much research on sleep and, and, oh, yeah. um, trying to, to figure out how best to create that scenario. Mm-hmm. And it all just fell together this last fall. So we, we bought it. I stayed on it in a tournament I was by myself at this fall in South Carolina. And so our first week with it all together will be um, Pebble Beach um, in 
late January, early February. So it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Sammy's got a little with the half bath kind of turned into a little uh, crib room. And then, you know, we have, there's like a, what it's got like four TVs on it, including an outdoor. We'll put a little Traeger grill, like the little, um, Oh yeah. Tailgate, the tailgate Traeger. Oh yeah. And we'll just bring that out every week and we'll, you know, we'll get, we'll cook on it and, um, and, you know, hang out outside, you know, cause I mean, we follow the sun, right. Or what the, mm-hmm. we're, we'll spend a lot of time outside with Sammy, put little, you know, a bicycle on there, some fishing poles and, um, you know, so I'm really excited for this West coast swing. It'll be, um, new for us, but I think it'll feel more like home. It'll actually, I think it'll feel so comfortable and, and at the same time, like, you don't need a special license to drive it. So I might drive this rig, you know, I was going to ask like you a few hours ripping down the highway. Oh man. I mean, I want to, I can't wait to ride in it and just, you know, I'm not going to do it without watching first, Yeah. but like, you know, some of these trips are like an hour flight or a four or five hour drive. It's like, why wouldn't we just sit there and, and, yeah. and stay in the RV? Why, why fly? And um, so that'll be, that'll be nice. I don't know if we'll do like an overnight trip or anything, but if we get like, if we get like a four hour trip, you know, and yep. say Phoenix, Phoenix to LA, which sounds like a disaster to drive through LA in an RV. <laughs> um, but maybe that first like hour and a half, I might take over and just get guided by the guy that we're going to use to drive it. And, yeah. um, and just go, you know, the flat road where I can, and just, it, I mean, it's got to feel awesome to be in control of that thing. I'm just imagining um, <laughs> like coming down the highway in my own car, listening to podcasts, whatever. And I look over and I see you cruising, driving the RV, dude, I would lose it. That would be, yeah, I'd be honk. Come on. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be, the, just, Where's the horn? I'll be, I mean, I I've gone full dad mode in almost everything I do now. And I will just, I mean, from dad jokes to <laughs> wearing stuff that makes my um, wife uh, be like, what the heck? And I, I will be the guy with the window <laughs> down, ready to honk at any kid that does that down the highway for sure. Oh dude, that's, that's awesome. Um, I can't wait to see that content because I know people will, snap, <laughs> will be snapping that like crazy. Uh, dude, that's that's so good. Um, all right. I want to be respectful of your time. So I want to start moving towards the last couple of questions. I, I ask uh, everybody that comes on the show. And then I want to give you a, a, a few minutes to talk about your foundations and, and see how everybody can uh, can get involved at the end. Um, all right. So question number one here, the only caveat answer cannot be your family. Um, so aside from your family, what, what are you the most proud of in your life so far? Uh, I think my sanity with, uh, <laughs> with the career path, the last 10 years of my life, I think my sanity, um, yeah. I feel, I, I think just, um, obviously it has to do with what I'm with family and, and whatnot, but I think. I, I feel like in a great place. I feel very happy with, with things. I feel like, I feel like I've handled, um, I've handled, you know, a smooth road, a bumpy road. And I feel like it, that could, I wouldn't say tear people down. I've, you know, cause again, like it's all perspective. I'm all of it's, I'm still playing golf for a living, but to, to do the thing you love to do for so long and then have periods where you don't love it is just almost devastating. Mm-hmm. And to be able to kind of come out and be like, you know what, I'm going to power through this. And um, I know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. I just know it. I don't care how dark it gets first. Um, so I think the way that how I how I feel right now is what I'm probably most proud of, given 
um, kind of the, the last 10 years, everything with it. I mean, I could be, yeah. I could go off the first five and I could have just been a, a kind of a shitty person and think I'm better than people. And I could go off the next few and, um, and hate what I'm doing. And I think just the combination of the support I've had from family, I just think in general sanity, um, and, and really, uh, how content I am with things and motivated I am going forward, mm-hmm. I think is kind of my motivation is probably what I'm most, most proud of right now. I think, I think sanity is my favorite answer that I've ever gotten. Back <laughs> <question>. <laughs> That's yeah. so good. Um, all right. This one, not, not a can question I ask everybody, but you just mentioned motivation. So I'm, I'd be curious to hear your answer to this, you know, given all the the success that you've had, like you mentioned over the last 10 ish years or so um, you you've accomplished a lot. Like, the wins speak for themselves. The track record speaks speaks for itself. Um, I'd imagine money's not a massive concern at this point in the game. Um, and those are things that I think would kind of be inherent in driving a lot of people. What What is it now that really keeps you going? Like what is, what is the fuel to that motivation for you right now? Uh, f- like freedom and mastery. I think, um, you know, I talked about ego before the opposite of ego is mastery and you were, you were speaking on it. Um, about going out and doing what what you love to do because you love to do it for whatever that reason may be um and it not being outside influence but internal mm-hmm. um to trying to just master something to try to be the best you can um for me you know i got to a point where i wasn't i didn't have any freedom um what i mean by that is I was off mechanically to where I had to feel like I saved shots. And therefore, every time I went out to play golf, I was not scared, but I, there was, I was trying to compensate and I just wanted to get to a place where I could stand on the tee and feel like I know what I can do to play this entire round in freedom. And I feel like I've done a great job in turning that corner and I have felt rounds where I've played pretty much from freedom. And mm-hmm. I think it's close to being full freedom where I'm just playing and I'm not thinking so much. And I think that wears a lot on me, um, where it takes a lot of the wear and tear out of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, freedom and mastery is my answer. Like I'm, I'm motivated to get to the point where I'm in total freedom. That doesn't necessarily mean, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean results. And that's where I think that I've turned a big corner. It's like, I'm not yeah. results oriented at all anymore. Yeah. You're I know that if I know that it, it, I've, I've fallen in love as I've turned the corner and feel like I know exactly what I'm working on is going to get me freedom and mastery. Um, it's, it's so it don't even need to be motivated. It's so exciting that I love the work that goes into it again. And really that's, that's something I never understood until I, I talked to some people and read some stuff mm-hmm. over years um, where if you're not, if you're not in love with the, the actual work you're putting in, then it's going to be a really tough place to be. Um, and I've been there and it's really fun to have that back. What I just took for granted for a long time um, and, and mastery being, you know, everything that I, I want my brain to stay focused even if results come back to a level that I want them to come back to because of the freedom I'm playing with, I really want to do a better job of remembering what 
got me back and that will continue to push me forward, which is Mm -hmm. staying mastery focused, staying away from anything that becomes ego focused, um, caring about um, the beauty of a good solid strike and and appreciating just a fantastic seven iron versus like, if I get top five here, I move up this much in the world ranking. It's like, I I just like, um, it's a kind of a, kind of a bad example, but more, um, more, more so, you know, mastery is kind of an art and Mm -hmm. I don't think it, I think it's hard to be perfected, but if that's where your brain's at on doing it for yourself, um, to become as good at a craft as you possibly can be, that's what attracts me most to building relationships with powerful people in sports or business or whatever Mm -hmm. is not, how successful they are and how much money they make or accolades. It's more like, you know, who are the ones that I can tell are, are doing this because they simply just love to do it. They're so selfish in their work. Um, and I want to be one of those, those people. So trying to build those relationships, I think helps a lot as, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working towards that kind of freedom in doing what I love to do. Um, that I've had before and I'm, and I'm experiencing again. And this time understanding what, what it is and what went into it actually makes it even more enjoyable. That's uh that's awesome. Have you ever connected with Michael Gervais? Yeah. So, um, I have, I've also listened to a number of his podcasts. I was going to say, I'm going to connect you guys if you haven't, cause he's yeah. like, this is, this, this sounds a lot like the work that he does. And he's just, he's one of those dudes. I, I follow him religiously. I think he's phenomenal. And, uh, masters at the, he did, um, work. yeah, I, my favorite, one of my favorite podcasts I've ever listened to is his with Carly Lloyd. Oh, I and haven't heard somebody, that one. Oh, I mean, it's, you know, possibly the greatest women's soccer player to ever play, you know, mm-hmm. up there. Um, maybe the best American, her and Mia Hamm. And, uh, I, it just, um, it was cool just from a, from a sporting take, um, yeah. hearing her like that's, that's, the stuff that I don't know Carly Lloyd at all. Um, you know, I don't know Michael Gervais personally. Um, I thought that was such a cool conversation to listen to. That was kind of right in the, in a trough for me. Um, and I think it was, it was a really cool thing to gain perspective on. So I think he does a great job. It's a good call. Yeah. He's, uh, he's the man. Um, I haven't heard that episode. I was going to say his, uh, his interview with Jim Nance is phenomenal. So add that one to the list. If you haven't listened to that one, um, I know you could get connected with anybody you want, but if you want me to introduce you, I'd be happy to connect you guys. I had him on the yeah, show great. a couple months ago. Dude, I mean, he's just he's just an awesome down to earth guy. Um, all right, last question for you, and this has to do with the word legacy. I think a lot of times legacy gets associated with a lot of different things, whether it's money, names on buildings, what whatever that may be. Um, when I think about legacy, I think about two things. I think about the people that you know, mean the most to me in this world right now. And then the people that God willing, I'll be able to leave behind on this earth. So within those two buckets, that falls my kids. And when I think about the word legacy with them, I think about the moments, the memories, the lessons, the, um, the little life experiences that we'll share together and that they'll remember about me, hopefully to then, you know, be part of their core operating system. As like I said, God willing, hopefully I can leave them behind on this earth. So through that lens, if I turn that around and said, Jordan, what do you want your legacy to be with little Sammy and any future kiddos? How would you answer that question? Uh, I want them to see me as a great dad and not a golfer. And I think that that to do that, I will, I will have to be a better father than I was a golfer. Um, 
Bars and, up here. And, and the bar is set high and hopefully continues to have to be set higher, right? Yep. So I hope to push myself to be the best in the world at both. Um, and so I'd really, I think that would be the separation of the two to look at me as, as dad and not, that's my dad, the golfer, um, would be a, a really, really good goal. Um, I don't think it's challenging unless I make it challenging on myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. unless I'm, unless I'm not going about things the right way, I've got such a great support system around me, obviously starting with my wife, but with my, both of our parents are just incredible grandparents and, you know, relying That's on awesome. their advice is so, so vital. <laughs> and, um, and that. then we've got great friends around, you know, and I've got great friends on tour. So they'll have, they'll have good people out here. And, um, my, my point being is it's set up so nicely, luckily because of the quality of people around me, um, mm-hmm. that unless, unless I'm looking at it out of the wrong lens, I should be able to achieve it. Um, but that would be, that would be awesome. If I was, if they thought I was a better dad than they ever heard about as a golfer. Well said, well said. I like that a lot. Um, Jordan, I want to give you a chance here, uh, just to tell us a little bit about your foundation, how people may be able to get involved, support, um, uh, open mic, whatever you got. Let's see <laughs> <Sure>. about it. <laughs> yeah. I, um, you know, I, uh, started the foundation or Jordan Smith family foundation in 2014. So I was 20 years old, <laughs> turning 21. <laughs> That's um, crazy, man. Yeah, I was, um, you know, what really, I think started it one, you know, my little sister, as I mentioned, has special needs and, um, that was a big part of our childhood. And there's a lot of, you know, the real kind of the, the biggest heroes that I've ever met, um, right up at the top of the list are special needs teachers. Yeah. I mean, it's just my the patience. Born. It's absolutely incredible. Right. I mean, the mm-hmm. patience, um, the love, you know, it's a vocation, right. And, um, I think they're incredible. And, and in high school, you know, we had to get uh, over a hundred community service hours senior year. And I was able to go into her class, you know, we, we designated days, like half a day on Wednesdays, we'd go do service. Mm-hmm. And I, I was in her class. Luckily I got her school and I was able to just watch that firsthand. And then on tour, when, um, you know, I think it was the president's cup, you get, we got like a hundred or 150,000 to a charity of our choice for being on the team. And then I had sponsors that were going to donate to charitable stuff under armor AT&T at the time where my entitled first, first few sponsors. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, you know, I have these funds. um, I can go off of just the schools or whatever that we've seen, or um, that's what started it. And so it's now we have four pillars, special needs kids, um, junior golf, obviously getting involved in, um, a few programs, um, first tee programs did AJGA ACE grants, which is allowing kids at a high level that maybe can't afford to travel and, and whatnot, um, go compete on a national stage. So that's not exactly, that's more for advanced, but, you know, being very involved in the first tee and, um, the PGA of America and, um, and then military families and, and, um, pediatric cancer is our newest one. So it's really, it's a lot to encompass there. And Mm -hmm. I think we've been involved in just over a hundred different organizations now, Wow! but we're, we're trying to dial it back to a couple per pillar. 
with longer, bigger um, relationships. And um, I, you know, it's, it's a lot of, it, it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's not a lot of, it's not a lot of work because it's, everything that when you hear these stories, it's so rewarding that it like, it doesn't, it's like, wow. I mean, obviously um, we can, there's just with, I guess my platform, um, which I've never thought as something that can help in those kind of situations, but I guess, you know, if it helps raise awareness um, and can help raise funds, um, we have an event every year, uh, then we can actually help a lot of people. And so why wouldn't I, use that. You know, I don't like using my name for much at all. Um, and I was kind of convinced on this side that it was for the betterment of, of a lot of people. And, and I've seen that, um, actually happen. So my wife and, and Laura Moses, who works with me, they, um, run the foundation and do just an incredible job. And I think we're at, um, trying to think of the numbers. I mean, we're, we're nearing, like we're nearing the $8 million mark given out. Um, wow. so, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, we, we donate all of the gross proceeds of our foundation event every year. We guarantee that those go out by the second quarter of the next year. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously end up exceeding that by at least double per year. So, um, you know, my numbers may be a little bit off there. If I'm think I'm trying to remember year to year, what, it, you know, we got thrown in a, in a little bit of a loop, the COVID timeframe, but um, yeah, my website, jordanspeethgolf.com um, has a lot of information on it. Uh, but we have an event every year, a great top golf and concert event and every fall and um, look to continue to do that. So big thanks to my sponsors who are, you know, outside of myself and Annie, they're, they're the, you know, the biggest donors and we've got a couple individual donors too, that have just been unbelievable supporters. So yeah, I appreciate you bringing it up. Yeah, absolutely, man. Not a lot of people out there starting a foundation at age 20. That's insane. That's awesome, <laughs> man. That's, uh, that's super cool. Um, well, kudos to you, brother. Kudos to you for, for passing it along and, and helping as many people as you can along the way. You're obviously inspiring a lot of people, um, that you probably never even hear from, um, making a huge impact and, I think you're, you know, just looking up to you as a, as a great ambassador for young dads everywhere, man. You'd like, you said the word platform, you absolutely got a platform. There's a lot of eyeballs on you. Um, and of course, you know, there's a little bit of pressure with that, but, um, yeah, I think you're doing a phenomenal job setting the, setting the, you know, setting the stage for what it really looks like to be a great husband and a great father and just leading from the front in that regard. So I appreciate you doing that and, and stewarding that attention and opportunity um as well as you can man I'm, I'm proud of you and super proud to have you here on the show thank you so so much for taking time away from your freaking hawaiian vacation to come inside and talk to us uh really appreciate it brother thank you absolutely anytime be well just trying to follow in your footsteps buddy all right everybody that's it thanks for listening and if you haven't already do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review we can't thank you enough for your support Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See ya.